You're listening to the Sales Process Excellence Podcast with Michael Webb. Some people focus on selling processes like internet marketing or selling to senior level decision makers. Other people talk about process tools, measurement of data and systems thinking. But not many people talk about how these can be brought together to motivate people and create wealth for everyone. That's what we discuss on the Sales Process Excellence Podcast. I'm Michael Webb, and today my guest is Dave DeSantis. Dave is a business partner with Camp Systems and a former client. Uh, Dave, welcome here. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we could uh, schedule this time to kind of catch up and, and talk. I'd, could you take a couple minutes and uh, explain a little bit about your background that led up to uh, what you're doing today? Sure, sure. Yeah, Michael and I met um, many years ago now when I was leading a medical device company, and we were trying to figure out how to make our sales teams more effective. And by going through processes with Michael of understanding from the perspective of our customers, we were able to put together systems and processes in place that were uh, much more effective than what we had in the past. So my background is really in general management, leading companies um, with an emphasis on sales, marketing, and commercial services. Um, prior to leading these medical device companies, I was also a leader of sales and marketing functions and also head of uh, operational excellence activities at um, another company. So all of the experience kind of fit well with the work that Michael was doing from understanding from an operations point of view and applying to commercial businesses. So that worked That worked well for us, and we had much success with that program. What I'm doing now is working with Camp Systems, and Camp Systems is a negotiation training and coaching company. It was founded by Jim Camp, a leading expert on negotiations, and Jim and his team have trained over 100,000 people over the past 30 years to negotiate better and more profitable agreements. Jim is the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Start With No, The Negotiation Tools the Pros Don't Want You to Know. At Camp Systems, we help business leaders get more of what they want by negotiating better agreements. We do this by applying a system of principles and behaviors that are based on effective decision-making and do not require compromise. The system shows you how and why to conduct your entire negotiation from the point of view of the other party to eliminate neediness and fear of making mistakes. We teach how to use the word no along with these principles and behaviors to keep you safe and create more profitable agreements. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation. I have been since we scheduled it because of the uh, um, as when we were chatting before, the intersection between training and the whole mindset around what salespeople do and the idea of uh, principles and systems thinking. So I, I like to start off with this initial question, you know, how you first introduced to the idea of principles uh, in business like systems thinking uh, or others. I mean, going back in your career, this idea came up. Um, tell us about that and how it led to what you've learned about process excellence and about improving results in business. Yeah, sure, Michael. Um, you know, I started thinking about this question of how principles 
uh, applied to me and their importance in the business situation. And I thought backwards a little further of where did I even come up with an appreciation for principles as opposed to looking at results. And I think it all started with um, my parents, quite honestly, introducing me to the principles of respect for others, truthfulness, value and ethics, and, and uh, obeying the rule of law in society for a good society. Mm-hmm. Um, it was probably further enhanced in my education where I realized that there's principles in specific subjects like in science and math. And these principles really are the bedrock of the, the rules of those particular subjects. So they were something that you could always go back to as kind of your home base. Uh, ah. Probably in business, you know, the application of these principles started with my, um, gosh, my first job cutting lawns, where <laughs> I realized the principle of of respect for others and doing what you say you're going to do um, are paramount. And oh, that yeah. extended with me through my career all the way to CEO of leading companies and, and um, partnering now and coaching people on negotiating and how to do their deals more effectively. Isn't that interesting how those basic ideas and realizations you have as a you know, kid in middle school or high school, I did too. I mowed lawns and, and worked as a dishwasher and a waiter and boy, uh, you learn a lot with those initial experiences and the principles, like you said, like like math and chemistry, I mean, they go back to help you explain, you know, how reality works. Mm-hmm. So as you think about uh, principles that are important, especially for sales and marketing, um, I mean, what comes to mind as an important one? I think with respect to sales and marketing, the most important principles that I've always relied on are respect for others and the concept of trust especially in the sales and marketing arena, people are always um, a little bit wary of what is this person going to push on me that maybe I don't need or isn't quite appropriate for whatever my situation is. And what I found over the years is that really goes back to the, the core principle of trust between two people. So the real issue is how do you build trust and how do you um, – um, sincerely do that so you can deliver your goods, products, or services as represented, and the other party is happy with that. And boy, lots of complications there. I remember a situation when I was, I had to be my first year uh, being a salesman out of college. And of course, we were all, you know, being nose of the grindstone, right? Our boss is after us to make the calls and get some orders and I went for like more than six months, seven, eight months, I think, before I got my first order. And that was a scary, (laughs) uncomfortable time, right? Yeah. And I had an experience with a customer where I thought I had them ready, you know, and and I I was ready to go sell something to them. And I pushed it a little too hard and they asked me not to come back. Hmm. How embarrassing. (laughs) Right. It was, boy, that was like a, you know, direct voltage to your spinal cord about trust and misusing that trust. And unfortunately, um, a lot of people have to go through that right before they learn. it. And unfortunate, I think, is the right word to use there, because, um, you know, as a new person coming into an organization like you were and just being expected to push and push for a result, 
as opposed to working a system and trying to get inside the head of the person that you're speaking with. Mm -hmm. um, that I see that failure over and over and over in business, in sales and marketing, and in negotiations where people have this tendency, and it's probably due to evolution, that we just try to push and get what we want when the examples uh, come back to us over and over again the only time someone is really comfortable purchasing in a in a sales environment is when they make the internal decision themselves that this good or service is good for them. They don't make the decisions because you're pushing it on them. They have to go through their own decision path, tell themselves a story why this is good for them, create an emotion that they actually want this thing, and then they can come and make a decision that they want it. And once they go through that process, it sometimes price isn't even relevant once they've made the decision. Now it's just the conversation on what is the value of that decision. So I totally agree with you. And, and all that stuff takes place between your ears as the salesperson and the ears of the customer. So you have to have a lot of empathy there. But I think that there are things that companies can do uh, that really get in the way of building that empathy and that trust and other things they can do to promote it and, and ensure that it happens. I, care to comment on that? Yeah, sure. One of the biggest blocks of creating empathy and, and allowing their teams to get inside their actual customers' heads to discover what they want is the metric systems and the culture of pushing for results. Now, believe me, I know that every business needs to make money, and I think that the um, that that's not a bad thing in itself. You need to generate profits so you can invest in your business, you can pay your employees and treat them well, as well as make a return for your investors. But I think the the methodology of just focusing on the results themselves is the real shortcoming. Um, because again, I'll go back to what we were speaking of earlier. The real issue is people make decisions to buy something based on their emotions as well as their logic that's coming through. So the only way to get to someone and understand their emotional state and reasons why they would buy your product or uh, understand your services or even work with you is because you align with them somehow in, in your story. And that's up to you to figure that out and get inside their head and, and really create vision for them so they can see the benefit for themselves for the use of your product. And that's contrarian to what most businesses try to do, which is I need to sell this to you because I need to make my monthly number. Right. From the customer's perspective, that's really irrelevant. From right. the customer's perspective, they look at it, what will this product do for me? How will it help me help my customers, investors, and employees? You know, um, if you think about it from the perspective of the development of a, a person, right, a human person as a child, they're all very self-centered naturally. Mm -hmm. And as an adult, to be effective with other adults, they have to develop some degree of empathy. Um, and I, we recently had some uh, experience here with family members going through uh, you know, dementia and, and mm -hmm. end of life stages, and boy, they lose that empathy in heart, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a so so this 
issue of empathy and the ability to learn it, the space to learn it, um, the respect for it um, is something that um, I agree with you. Companies need to they need to be aware of that. They need to create an environment where that's respected and acknowledged. And I know I have not worked for very many companies that uh, have done that. I've worked for any companies that did that, which is kind of why I'm off on my own. I'm <laughs> 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 basically unemployable anymore. But, <laughs> but uh, um, I mean, ha- have you seen that as well? I mean, what would you say? Well, I, I see that. And, and I'm going to take a, a little different view of that because I do see companies that embrace it, and they also embrace it for some business reasons. And that reason is speed. Um, when you are truly empathetic and you you are able to open up a dialogue with others faster and deeper. And at the end of the day, in, in the negotiation, it's really all about getting as much information on the table as possible so both parties can find the best opportunity to work together between them. In that sense, more information is better than less information. Mm-hmm. And when you um, allow the other person to feel safe, they tend to speak more. They tend to share more. And the best way to make people feel safe is to be empathetic and to respect them, to make them feel that they're not being threatened. And that comes back to originally when we started talking about the concept of trust. You need to genuinely have them trust you so they'll share with you what they want. Once you figure out what they really want, then you can craft your offering to satisfy that need. The part of um, the negotiation is to satisfy that need and not necessarily give them things they don't want that cost you something. And that's mm-hmm. how that's how the um, profitability of your agreements can increase dramatically when you take this approach to how right. you uh, interact with people and how you conduct your negotiations. Right. When I was um, a sales trainer. Uh, we had a partnership with a negotiations training company. And from what I could tell, um, it was good. I mean, this, these are good uh, models that are used, and they're productive and helpful for people. But you said a key word there. You know, there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a cost. There's a – so, so – Doing a negotiation requires asking questions and spending time that might not be, you know, the normal course of, of activities uh, unless the salesperson decides he needs to do that. So when he gets sales training and, oh, I have to do this now, it's more work that's being added to the salesperson. Um, and, and sometimes that can get in the way. When salespeople don't have time, they... They're, they um, are trying to do this extra work on all of their deals and they end up sort of throwing their hands up and maybe only using a little bit of the material that they get. Have, have you seen that happen? I have seen that happen. And and what we find are some of the key drivers for that behavior or that um, inefficiency of implementation is for a couple of reasons. And the first being You know, people go to a negotiation or any kind of a training seminar for one or two days and everything sounds great. And then they leave and they forget what to do or that when the rubber hits the road, it doesn't quite work per the example that they heard in the class. So they give up. So the first thing is this is not easy work. This is hard work. 
and it requires some effort, kind of like playing an instrument or learning how to play a sport. You don't wake up one day and become the master's golf champion. You, know, mm -hmm. you need to spend your 10,000 hours of practice and have some inherent skill. At least with negotiation or selling, this is a learned skill that you can learn if you put the time in. Mm -hmm. As part of the learning, though, like playing a sport, if you get the advice of an expert, they can keep you focused on the activities and behaviors that actually work for that particular, we, we call it a human performance event. Um, so the poor sales guy who says, I don't have time to ask questions. So what is their alternative? Not to ask questions or to ask bad questions? And how, how does that work out for you? <laughs> you know, <you're, laughs> well. so, so you need kind of the coach in the background um, until you master the system to help you stick to the system. Because yeah. a lot of work will go into learning it. But once you kind of hit an inflection point, all of a sudden you become super productive. Well, and I think that it also has to do with, uh, like, prioritizing and sorting the various opportunities so that you're, you're taking your newfound, more productive talent and applying it in the most, um, in the most effective um, theater that you can. I mean, mm -hmm. if you, right? You have to have qualified prospects. Um, before it justifies spending this time asking questions. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. And I think that comes back to the mission and purpose of your own company and of yourself. So you really need to um, prioritize those opportunities against what is the mission and purpose of your company that you're represented and yourself. And if you come up with an opportunity that may be high value, but it goes against your basic principles, you really should walk away from it because you're never going to get a good deal there. Right. Maybe you may be, you may be um, mesmerized by the high potential dollar value, but 90% chance you'll never achieve it because it's counter to what you do. And even in the event you do, the deal won't stick. So you really have to be sure of yourself and what you offer and what you can deliver. And make sure that those are always part of the alignment process with your opportunities that you're looking at. Right. Okay. I was thinking of the um, observable qualification criteria. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, one of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing now is that in all my years, seven years, um, with a sales training uh, and consulting company and Man, they never, we just didn't have a way within the psychology of a training company to help the client figure out how to solve that naughty problem. You know, of if we don't have enough qualified opportunities, what do we do about it? If we have enough opportunities, how do we tell, we, you know, how do you make sure we're spending the time on the right accounts? And, and there was some rules of thumb and, you know, Bant, you know, budget authority, need and timing, and and still the productivity of the sales force didn't change over time, and still there's high turnover in the sales force, and still there, you know, only a few people are using the training or the CRMs that were brought to them. Um, I mean, and I'm not trying to knock training, certainly not the company that that you are working with, but how how would you? I mean, what are your observations about? Well, 
I agree with a lot of the things that you're saying, and I think it's not from lack of training, but I think it's from uh, poor training or training that's not aligned with basic human behaviors and also not aligned with what your customer actually needs versus what you want. Mm -hmm. And the way we always um, teach people to go about this is first, everything that we do in a negotiation has to be conducted from the point of view of the customer. We call that the mission and purpose. So everything there, and, and we, that's how we start the conversation. So it's, you know, the objective of this particular 15-minute session of negotiation is, and we share this with the with the adversary, the person on the other side of the table, mm -hmm. um, our purpose is to provide you the opportunity to get product XYZ because that's critical to your needs and to do this on a long-term basis. That's mm -hmm. our objective of this conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, do you agree with that or not? And ask for a decision. If they say yes, okay, great. Now we have a bedrock. So now everything that you're doing is going against that mission and purpose, which is all in the world of the customer. Once you do that, you, and this is part of your preparation, is you identify the biggest problems that you see that are preventing you from providing that customer that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that then is the conversation that you're going to have. And it's very narrow. You focus on the big problems and you kind of put guide rails on the rest of the, when, when the customer tries to blindside you one way, yeah, but your price is no good. And it's like, well, uh, first of all, we don't even negotiate price yet because we don't exactly know what you want and, and what you what is worthwhile for you. So um, we can provide these services to you so you can go back to that mission and purpose. And so you really have to flush out these ideas and these concepts before you get there. You mentioned earlier, you know, that salespeople don't have time to do that. And honestly, in 20 years of experience, I found they don't have time not to do it. Because when they don't do it, they'll be looking at 10 customers and not selling any of them or one or two, mm -hmm. when instead they could be selling five and actually closing deals. One of the things looking from the, yeah, I, I, one of the things I remember um, was the, uh, I don't know if need is the right word, but you talk about preparation. Um, you, these companies that are involved in negotiation programs could prepare um like if they study all their legal, the times they had to go to the legal department to negotiate a contract, there's mm -hmm. probably a half a dozen issues that have come up uh, regularly. Mm -hmm. But maybe nobody decided that or figured out what they are and prepared in advance um, a set of contract alternatives that could be used in the event that this one or that one you know, was important to a given prospect. Or in their um, prior to getting involved in a negotiation, um, there are probably a predictable set of information that you would like to have about the client mm -hmm. before we, you know, even decide that we're going to enter into a negotiation. And the company, up until the time the you know they got involved in this initiative, nobody had ever thought about that or structured it in any way. And when you do that kind of systemic improvement and make those tools part of, you know, the salesperson's job, it can resolve a lot. It can take away a lot of the time that they would have had to spend figuring this stuff out on their own. Um, oh, absolutely. So, so you're leveraging past experience. And that's yeah. really one of the key points of having a, um, a robust system. 
It is. And it's something that the salespeople cannot do by themselves. Would no, no. There are inputs to the system right. in, in that sense. Right, right. So when you say uh, a robust system, what are you referring to there? Well, what we refer to in the words of a system is really the collection of principles and behaviors that, when appropriately applied to the right situation, creates the right environment and allows you to move a negotiation forward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so for us, the the principles are things like respect for the individual, the fact that everyone has the right to get what they want, um, but you but you don't have the right to hurt others on your journey to get that. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, you, you have to know what you can deliver and how it benefits the other party. That That's a principle. Okay. Um, you have to know that all people follow the same path for making decisions. It's kind of wired in our brains. It's mm-hmm. primarily emotional and it's sometimes supported with logic. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that. It, when you understand some of these principles, then you structure your conversations that are consistent with those. Those are bedrock. They don't really change. And kind of the tools that are the behaviors that you then exhibit, um, you know, like always conducting your discussions from the point of view of the other party. Um, never act needy for a deal, because the truth is the only thing you need is to eat, sleep and have some companionship. Everything mm-hmm. else is is an add on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of psychological reasons why when you show neediness to get something done, you put yourself in a position that can be compromised by the other side. So you're better off just being open and honest and, and doing your best and trying to satisfy the other party. When you're showing neediness, you're also internally focused on what you want. And we said the number one behavior is focus on the other side, not on yourself. So as you work with clients, I'm sure you have seen uh, various companies that and, and there's differences in the maturity that those organizations display around their sales process. I mean, mm-hmm. what are your, some of your observations about that? Oh, yeah, we've seen the entire spectrum, Michael, from people that um, want to hire us and we refuse to work with them because their sales process is one of push, 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 me, 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 and that's mm-hmm. not what we do. We see uh, other extremes where people are want to be friends with everybody. They practice uh, the so-called win-win strategy, and we come right up and say, that's not what we do. And you know, they may ask, well, what do you mean you don't do win-win? That's good for everybody. And, you know, our kind of our view on that is win-win. When when someone says win-win, what they're preparing before they even start the negotiation is that they're going to compromise. Mm. And there's no need to do that. Right. Because you don't even know what the other side needs yet. The other point about win-win that we say we really don't support is how do you measure it? I mean, your whole process is about uh, metrics and doing things that are measurable. But when you may not see the results of a negotiation for many years if it's a long agreement. Mm-hmm. So why in the world would you say you're going to do something that you can't measure and see the results? We would much rather say, let's focus our conversations on making sound decisions and getting inside the head of the other person and trying to get them the best thing for them that is aligned with what you can actually offer and deliver. And if you do that, the agreements that you make over time are most likely much better than what you've been doing. Other Interesting. Understanding. 
So do you have a way of measuring the quality of a negotiation or the quality of a deal from the perspective of the customer or of the seller? Absolutely. When we say we're going to start every negotiation from the mind of the customer and what's in their head, we create what we call the mission and purpose statement. So like I mentioned earlier, our Mm -hmm. objective is to provide you the opportunity to do this that helps you because it will help you. And in the background, we've done the same for ourselves. We're going to do this deal because it supports our own internal mission and purpose, which Mm -hmm. is to create great products, help the world, make enough money for ourselves to further invest in our business as well as have whatever lifestyle we're, we're looking to have. And if we satisfy both of those mission and purposes simultaneously, that is a successful negotiation. Okay. Um, but is there a way? There's no concept of money involved there. I have to get oh, right. $10 for this part. No, no, no. Right, 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 right. But, but I'm, I'm looking for a way. I mean, measurement is comparison to a standard, right? And mm-hmm. so you, you can, you can do that and put things in a priority order. And then you can do that and actually use quantities, right? And so I'm curious, you remember how we did qualification criteria and there was mm-hmm. a number associated with the quality of every sales opportunity. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that that you know of in the world of negotiation? Well, not as formalized as you did it, but I guess intrinsically when we do this, um, when we're in a negotiation and it works and we're inside the head of the other person, and by the way, we don't push our products on them. If we do our job well, they ask us to take our products. Mm-hmm. Good. And when that happens, that's a yes. Right. Right. And that everybody says, yeah, great. They said yes. But in our world, yes without how really doesn't count. Mm. So we may say something like, well, that's great. I'm glad that, you know, we're at step one now of actually helping you achieve your mission and purpose. So now let's get into the details of how that's going to happen. So with your question of how do you measure this, I think an interesting way, and we haven't done this yet, but it may be of of good value, is to see if we have any faults. When we're figuring out the how to implement Mm -hmm. and we find that we missed something or whatever the how was that we defined didn't work, that would be, I guess, a black mark on that negotiation. Hmm. Um, So that could be a measure. Uh, The key point is, though, if we're always in the head of the other side and they know our intent was always to deliver on what we said, then at least we have the relationship where we can go back in and fix those over time. Hmm. It's not going to be um, uh, land us in court or something. We'll uh, because th- that's that's the method that we use. I see. Okay. Very interesting. Well, I'm always looking for these ways of making uh, what goes on between the ears of the salesperson and the customer more visible, you know, more observable, more concrete, um, and more measurable. Not just measurement for measurement's sake, but measurement so that you can actually be sure if you're creating value. Right, um, and so that's kind of something I've, I've just always been on um, on the lookout for, and and uh, so glad to hear that you. Uh, uh, I mean, it sounds like a very very proven sort of set of of uh, structured principles. I'm sure it's been able to help a lot of people over time. Um, any other observations with regard to systems thinking and principles in management of sales and marketing? 
Yeah, I think um, a big thing is during the learning process, when it's new to a lot of people, they have to have a little faith and they have to trust the system. And um, we see that many times, for example, we in our system, we always say, you know, you want to move the, the project forward somehow. And if you get a no, that's okay, because that's a clear decision. No is really the start of the negotiation. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not something that stops you. Think of it like when you get a no, you know you hit a boundary condition. If okay. you get a yes too early, well, you may be well away from that boundary condition of, of what's possible. So you're better off getting no's because then at least you know you're kind of pushing the envelope a little bit on, on what you're trying to achieve. And then it opens you up to ask the question of to the person, well, what else can I do? What yeah. would you like me to do to get beyond that? And when you ask questions like that, more often than not, they will tell you what to do. And they'll tell you from their own perspective, which is much more uh, valuable to you than you broadcasting what you think they should do. Mm-hmm. They intend instead tell you what to do. And um, so if you follow that system, and that's hard for people to do because we're so been so conditioned to avoid the word you no, know, we think it's bad when mm-hmm. actually it's good. And we're also predisposed to broadcast as opposed to listen. And... When you get over those things, um, you do much better. You know, I'll just give you a, a small example. We coach people in in many types of deals, many big deals. So we'll coach um, CEOs who are selling their companies. We'll coach um, people who are trying to build relationships with other parties so maybe they can do business in the future. And they think that they need to write a five-page letter of introduction so the other party will be impressed with what they say. And what we teach is that it's really not important. What's important is that you ask direct questions and ask for a, a specific answer. Do you accept my request or not? And that's scary for people. We're yeah. so conditioned to kind of playing it soft and hopefully that they read between the lines when the truth is most people don't have much time and they don't even know what you're asking them when right. you think you're so subtle. You're much better off being direct, asking a short, very focused question, and you'd be surprised how often you get the answer that you're looking for. It's like, and when you do that, you're able to move forward. So it's back to that idea of empathy. I mean, it's there's a lot of um, energy and thought and art into developing that empathy and most of the time we really don't understand the other person's point of view as well as we think we do so if you don't ask the questions um then you're making assumptions and we all know how that turns out Uh, you got it one of our principles is you it's impossible to know what the other person is thinking because the other person's thought and the other person's the basis for how they make decisions is a function of their biology, their, which is really, you know, fright flight and they're yeah. going to process things. Is this going to hurt me or is this going to help me? All the way through and including their ex- life experiences. Well, maybe they were trained in calculus and you're asking a, a question that requires that. Or maybe you're asking a question in a German language and they don't speak German. Um, 
And all of those things are incorporated into how they then uh, generate an emotion. Do I know this? Do I not know this? Which then leads them to making a decision. So because everyone's life experience, habits, biases, biology is different, there's no way that any two people would come to the same decision for exactly the same reasons, right. which just leads to the point. That's why you have to ask questions and figure out what's in their head, because there's no way you know it yourself. And it applies to leaders and managers inside the company who have to work with each other just as much as it does to the people in the company who have to be facing. Oh, absolutely, the Michael. As, you know, to your point, principles are universal. Yeah. Right. right. So this is these are principles for dialogue between people. It could be salesperson to customer. It could be um, you to your boss. It could be you to the people who work with you. It, the principles are the same. Totally agree. Well, very interesting. Um, it's been fun to catch up with you after what is it, 10 or 15 years almost? That we, yeah, how about we, that? <laughs> we talked before. We're both getting to be old guys. <laughs> Wise. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and it takes a while to learn principles. So I, I'm just uh, thrilled that you had a chance that we could get this scheduled and have this conversation. I know that there was a lot of stuff in there, that there's a bunch of people out in the world who'd like to be uh, listening in on this kind of conversation. I really appreciate your time. Is there a way, if people want to know more about what you do in camp systems, is there a way that they can get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. They can go to our website and uh, see a little more detail of what we do and what we offer. And that URL is www.campnegotiations. That's C-A-M negotiations plural.com and that will get you to the site so we also have a special offer for the listeners of this podcast they can go to www.campnegotiations.com backslash stc okay <laughs> super well thank you for that and thank you very much for your uh time here today and your taking out your schedule uh, so uh, we'll have to do this again at some point soon. Um, really appreciate it. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for the opportunity, Michael. The Sales Process Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Sales Performance Consultants. Discover how to improve your B2B sales with systems thinking at salesperformance.com.